0: to battle red radio i'm matt weston this evening i'm joined by diehard chris how are you doing tonight man
1: oh i'm in the only condition acceptable to being a texans fan right now and i'll just leave it at that
0: (laughs) yeah i well, so like we record this podcast together i think in like 2013 or whatever and that was like, I had this idea that I would just graduate college and, uh, just like give job right about football for like $30,000 a year, um, just without having to work at all ever. And that never happened. So instead, you know, Houston, Texas, is just something and ride about football is something that you know, accentuates my life. And, uh, we do it for fun and everything and everything else. But back in you know, 2013, you and I would do the podcast and you would call in from like hotel rooms while you're on the road for work and whatever else. And (laughs) uh, we would talk about that awful, terrible two and 14 Texans team. And so (laughs) since here we are in 2020 and the Texans are one in six now, and we have another truly terrible, awful Texans team. uh, I thought we could hit the time machine and, and uh, just you and I do this podcast and talk about another bad Texans game and another bad Texans season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That works. Like, People forget because they forget because there's no reason to know this that I I was the host about Red Radio for like a year and then and then you took it over and made it uh, as great as it is now and it's just hard to believe that you've been doing it this long but yeah that was that was the deal back in the day like crappy hotel rooms in Lafayette Louisiana and Midland Texas and Odessa Texas and Tyler Texas Oklahoma City like all these <laughs> crappy places I was going for my job. And uh, <laughs> that was good times, though. And this is good times, too, especially if you've had a few like me.
0: Yeah. Well, and that was fun because, I mean, I, like, I've like i been doing this off and on since then. there were some times whenever I wasn't able to really ride or not be in the mental state to devote any time or effort to this. And other times I was, you know, living in the desert or whatever else. But, yeah, I remember calling in for one of those shows you did. I just uh, said a lot of mean things about Bryce McCain for, you know, 45 minutes because the Texans <laughs> played the Cincinnati Bengals and A.J. Green caught, like, 24 short curl routes because they played <laughs> off man coverage and, uh, and that was that was during your your time during it but we've been talking about the texans for a long time and i think it's only fitting to to head back you know and talk about them for this game and this season and everything else that's occurred but before we get to the, the really bad and awful stuff um the good thing was was that deshaun watson was really good this game he was 29 for 39 for 309 yards and he averaged 7.2 yards in attempt uh what do you think about watson's performance overall today
1: I thought he was really good, and it just upset me, again, because we're going backwards. We're going backwards. What, the game plan, I just – we have an hour plus to get into this, so I know we'll get into some of the finer details, and I have some notes here I want to bring up, but man, like, when they let Deshaun cook, things are going pretty well, and I understand that you can't always just run up tempo, and you can't always just have Watson – working out of the empty set, and you can't always have him working out a shotgun. I I get it. You can't always do that. But when the other team knows that your running game is, oh, how do I put it, rotting garbage? (laughs) I think
0: that's being mean to rotting garbage, too.
1: It really is. Just let Deshaun do his thing. It's the only time they do anything. It's the only time they ever accomplish anything. And I get it. If they know it's going to be a pass on every down, they're going to pin their ears back. I I understand that. But you're not fooling anybody with the running game. It's garbage. David Johnson is horrible. The offensive line is not doing a good job run blocking. And when Mm -hmm. they do, David Johnson looks like he's walking through concrete to get to the hole. Just let Deshaun do his thing. I don't understand. I do not understand the design of this offense. And you can't sit there and tell me, that the offense can't change this in-season. They're going into a bye week. They've had practice over the last few weeks since O'Brien was fired. There's no reason that they can't... I'm not saying they can overhaul it and make it like 100% better, but look at the last couple of weeks compared to today. It's not just the execution. It's the play calling. And I have a couple of specific examples I want to bring mm-hmm. up as we get into the show. But my God, I'm just watching that game so frustrated.
0: Yeah, yeah. I See, I'm anti-led Deshaun Cook because... Not only are we copying another fan base, And I do think Texans, as the Texans fan base in general, kind of has this propensity to be kind of bland and tasteless and kind of lame and boring. And uh, and I think copying the Seattle Seahawks, which is a fan base that copied, you know, cult of hillbillies on College Station is kind of like you know the absolute like how it well, works. So I would like something I mean, different. You know, I guess, come up with for did, it.
1: but they did hire Russell's quarterback coach. So like, if the team is copying the Seahawks, then why shouldn't we? Like, yeah, we don't have. I to think we this, can do something better though. We don't have to use the same hashtag. Let Deshaun cook, but the guy needs to be able to sit. Like, yeah, I when agree. They, i would
0: agree with that portion of I it. Mean, yeah, I'm just, yeah. Saying, I, I'm just anti-Let Deshaun cook. But like, maybe we can say like, I don't know. I haven't thought anything of my own in, but. You know, Just something aside from copying the CLC Hawks is all I'm trying to say.
1: O'Brien removed the short and intermediate routes for some reason this season. And then the last couple of games, they started sort of slowly putting them back. But I I just don't understand why they don't use the short passing game as the run game when the Mm -hmm. run game is garbage. I do not understand. I don't understand why they don't in the first series of every game. Do a run-pass option where Deshaun runs the ball, so you put the defense on their heels, so that they have to expect it the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. I just do not understand.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, I, I don't. I agree with you from like a, a football perspective. I'm just talking about you know the the nomenclature. uh yeah, yeah like Deshaun no, I got Cook. You. It just it just kind of goes back to the same stuff. Just being you know, yeah, twelfth man thing. I get it. Yeah, and it makes being a fan I guess a little bit less interesting and enjoyable because really that's all we have to look forward to this year is trying to enjoy this you know, bad team in as interesting way as possible. And um, that kind of goes along with it. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you as well, too. It's just like, that was kind of what this game was, though, offensively. As good as Watson was, it did feel like a step backwards. And, you know, against Jacksonville and then against um, Tennessee the week before, like, Tim Kelly kind of hit some things, you know, really well just by using more shotgun sets, using more empty sets. And, like, out of empty sets especially, Watson's been... You're really incredible. I, I can't, like, I've, I've t- I tweeted it out, I wrote about it, but the last two weeks, I think Watson's only missed two pass attempts off empty sets, and also he's been able to run really well for scrambles. I think he has like four first down scrambling off empty sets, too. And it really does feel like, with how bad the run blocking's been and how bad David Johnson's been, that he used to be better off just operating 60 plays out of an empty set spread formation and let Watson's frambling being the run game, you know, and just kind of go to work like that. And, uh, and let him kind of pick and pop his matches, his mismatches like that. But it really does seem like the offense right now is either shotgun, uh, with that, like play, you know, pass option or whatever, uh, empty sets. And then they go into single back with two tight ends. And then, you know, a runs coming or they're going to run play action and the play action game has been pretty good out of those sets, but, um, the run game, whenever they do anything non-Neshaun Watson-oriented, especially whenever they run the ball out of shotgun with David Johnson, he has mm-hmm. been absolutely putrid. And, uh, yeah, the, the shotgun runs are kind of absurd sometimes here. But um, for this game specifically, though, the offense did limit Watson some of the beginning of this game. Their first drive was a three-and-out because of a pass-run-run run possession. Z'Darrius Smith hit him on a third down after being Sineo Calamenci on an inside rip that forced incompletion. Uh, they were sacked on a play-action attempt that put the offense in a hole. And then at that point, it was 21-0, and the game was effectively over. And so Houston's first five drives went punt, 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 miss field goal. That missed field goal saw a Nick Martin holding penalty. That was really hilarious because he kind of like full Nelson full Nelson. him. Uh, he, sl- <laughs> he slung right. him down to the turf and was really confused on his call. called. And then he was sacked on the play after that. And then Fairbairn like, kicked a, a horizontal U.S field goal and miss and then it was in the half and Houston's down 21-0 and then you're kind of like I don't know. green Bay's offense seemingly like kind of turtle in the second half too so Chris was Bill O'Brien in a black van outside the stadium calling plays in this first half
1: <laughs> yeah it's so funny you say that because I'm watching the game going like you know I've always referred to Tim Kelly as additional Bill O'Brien that's that's who I refer to Tim Kelly as and the last couple of weeks he hasn't been but additional Bill O'Brien was back today just calling plays. And I I, I don't know because, like, l- let me just be honest. Like, uh, you sent the outline and plenty of time for the show, but I didn't see it until right before the show, so I don't know if we're going to cover this later. But I just I – just, you can't tell me that additional Bill O'Brien wasn't in the NRG parking lot in a matte black <laughs> van calling this play when it was the third quarter. The Texans, for once, forced the Packers punt – They get the ball back, they kick a field goal to make it 20 to 13, or 28 to 13. 28 to 13 with about nine and a half minutes left. Mm -hmm. Texans get the kick, and then so they get the ball on first down, and then immediately they run the ball on first down, and they get like two yards, and then on second down, they run the ball on second down. (laughs) It's 28 to 13. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you know from us doing the show and us chatting on the Bauer Red blog, you know, email list. Like the thing I've been screaming about since O'Brien's been the coach. Sense of urgency. It's never there. They treat every situation as if they're down by one score. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. I, I don't understand it. Bill O'Brien's gone, but additional Bill O'Brien is still calling plays as if they're down by one score. With nine minutes left in a game where Aaron Rodgers is just... Turning the Texans defense into ash over and over and over again, just turning them into fine powdered dust. <laughs> and here we are running David Johnson and out of the shotgun, no less. Yeah. David Johnson, who's so slow to hit the hole. All right, well, maybe run, maybe work in some outside runs or some eye formation so he gets a running start to the hole. No, he's starting from zero yeah, that's a in great shotgun. Point. I do not understand. The play design of this running game, I do not get it. Tim Kelly knows that he's not going to be back next year. He needs to be working on his resume to get another job somewhere. And what he's doing right now is just horrifically bad. And I just can't imagine that a competent coaching staff couldn't at least look at these obvious things that people like you and I and other fans can tell with some obvious – like we notice it. It's, it's so blatant. And, of course, you know, football people are like, well, you know, as soon as you start listening to the fans, you're going to be sitting in the stands with them. No, this is stuff that could be fixed in a week or at least addressed in a week, especially over a bye week. Mm -hmm. These shotgun runs are a crime against football humanity. I can't believe what I'm seeing every week when they take the crappiest, slowest (laughs) running back in the league and start him from standing still in the shotgun and then run in between. The guard in the center. What are you doing?
0: Yeah, that's I, I didn't think about that too, David Johnson as far as him being completely flat footed when he gets those handoffs. And last week against Tennessee, he had fourteen carries out of the shotgun for twenty five yards, you know.
1: And oh. uh, it's been a problem. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, and it's been a problem even going back to that Jacksonville game too, where he had he did nothing in the run game and sleep broke that one outside zone game or that one outside zone run play at the on their very last drive and that was kind of the entirety of it. Um but yeah, the and also the other thing too, it's like it's weird because I know I think football outsiders heard about this once before, but teams usually run better out of the shotgun than under center. And I guess just because you have less defenders in the box. But Houston's mm-hmm. offensive line, the problem though is that whenever you run like that, you have five or six blockers instead of seven or eight blockers, and their offensive line hasn't run blocked well at all. And it's everything from like the backside of outside zone plays, so they can't reach a linebacker to getting zero drive on a combo block when they run power. Um, it's, you know, there's there, or they'll like have four really good blocks, but one guy just can't reach the nose tackle and that blows up the entire play. Or like Mm -hmm. they run the same action with Darren Fells where the backside defender is like, oh, I know exactly what this play is and crashes and they lose three yards. And so like for like, you know, 15 different reasons, the run game has struggled and uh, out of the shotgun run runs as well, especially too. But so like, even though all this being said about the offense is that Houston did have a chance at coming back. And so, unfortunately, after the butt punt, which was you know an all-time hilarious play, uh, <laughs> Houston kicked a field goal down twenty-eight ten from Green Bay's eleven after a pass to Duke Johnson lost three yards. And I think they should have gone for it there, right there and then. Yep. And then yep. later in the game, facing fourth and one down twenty-eight thirteen, they ran a speed option that was shut down by, by Preston oh. Smith, and Green Bay would score the following drive after that. Uh, so, what did you think about these two decisions?
1: I mean, I, yeah, I I think. Th- the, the the calculus, the calculus, I shouldn't be using that word right now. The, the, the way that the coach determines the play calling, you know, I think a lot of people would say it shouldn't change game to game. Like whatever your game theory is, it should be the same game to game to me. When it's a lost season, especially in a situation where like, I know coaches don't care about the fact that you could lose and improve your draft stock. Obviously that's not an issue for the Texans this year, but when when you're in a lost season And especially, you you couple the fact that you're in a lost season with the fact that your defense can't stop anyone, much less Aaron Rodgers. Anytime you have a fourth and short, Mm -hmm. you know, unless you're inside your 30, you should be going for it, is the way I feel about it. Like, honestly, especially now, if you don't have Deshaun Watson, fine, you know. But if you've got Deshaun Watson, you've got the weapons that this team does have, yeah, in a lost season, I think you should be going for it. Like, maybe – Maybe Romeo and the offensive staff is thinking like today, like this game was the last chance that, you know, they should play it a little bit more conservatively because they might have a chance to playoffs only because they have expanded playoffs this year. Like you and I know that yeah. that's not possible, but maybe they thought this was that game and mm. hopefully like hopefully going forward, they'll have a different idea. But like, I mean, Romeo has shown some aggression um, in the last couple of games. Uh, and, and this game, you know, I love that they went for it on the fourth and short, even though Deshaun got stopped. I love that they put it in Deshaun's hands. But obviously that was a failure. Deshaun looked confused when he came out. I mean, not confused, but he could see that pitching to I can't remember who was in the backfield if it was Johnson. It is
0: David Johnson. If, if
1: it was Duke or David, but yeah, yeah. yeah. David. Okay, so yeah, it's David, and he sees that David's gonna get tackled. Like clearly he made the right choice, you know. Mm-hmm. But but and Deshaun just had no choice there. So that wasn't the best. I I don't want to say that it's not a good call because I like it being in Deshaun's hands, but I just think like your most successful play with Deshaun right now because of how bad the running game is and because of how they don't work Deshaun in the running game, their best play right now is Deshaun an empty set. Yeah, It's their best play. So, you know, work towards what your best play is and they just can't, I I kind of wonder like if this would be the same, if Jordan Akins was back, because I think Akins and Deshaun were starting to sort of, you know, develop kind of a rapport and whatever Fells and Deshaun had, obviously did, did Fels Fells even have a catch this week? I don't, like, did he even, I don't did he think did even did even play? So.
0: I Fell was like, out there blocking and Faro Cooper Faro Cooper well, is out quote, there. Quote
1: unquote blocking.
0: Faro Brown <laughs> Farrow Brown was out there blocking. I yeah. You know, yeah. Bar- Brown had one really great block and then he also had that sack he gave up against Adrian Amos that uh, kinda of, that forced that Houston field goal um later on in the game. But yeah, I don't think Fels had a catch had a target all this game.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, this is just sort of sort of related. Do you do you feel like it seems like to me like Deshaun looks a, like a step or a half step slower this year? Like he doesn't he doesn't explode when he runs the ball as much as he used to. Now, I don't know if that's because, you know, all his runs these days are because are, are the result of a broken play instead of a designed run. Mm-hmm. But he, he just seems a step slower to me. And, and that's not really a criticism. Of him. It, is, it, it is what it is. But I, I don't know. I just I, I just really wish they would work him in the run game earlier in the game to get the defense on their heels. And they just don't ever do that. And I don't understand why. You've got this dynamic weapon. And you know as well as I do that when when it comes to players like Deshaun or Lamar Jackson, any of those quarterbacks can run. It's not their ability to run that's the danger. It's, it's not their actual run plays that's the danger. It's the threat of their run plays that's mm-hmm. the danger. And – an offensive staff who can't capitalize that is doing a disservice to the team.
0: Yeah, I'm. We'll see. So like right now, now they're one and six. I'm kind of good with them not giving any Deshaun, like giving Deshaun Watson's limited number of runs as possible. Just because yeah, they're one and six, and kind of who cares at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean that that speed option play. You know, it really seems like Preston Smith. You know, he's unblocked off the edge, and the read there is like Watson has to pitch that. You know, that's the read there. But Watson doesn't trust David Johnson at all to. To, make, to catch the pitch, one, after he dropped it in Minnesota, and then, two, break any sort of tackle, get that one yard. And so he opted to keep in his own hands, and Smith was able to tackle and make that play. And, like, Smith made the right decision there. It's like, yeah, I'm unblocked off the edge. I can either sit here on David Johnson or go get Deshaun Watson, and it's a no-brainer. And another, like, on Twitter, one of the people, when I posted it, I uh, can't remember exactly who it was. It's like, yeah, well, the, the other problem is play is that David Johnson's five yards in the backfield, and that's a great point, too, where if David Johnson catches that pitch, he's like four and a half, five yards behind the line of scrimmage by that point, oh. and then you have two you, two defensive <laughs> backs coming after him, and it was just a really, like, poorly mismanaged drive. And, like, that would have been a good play to run out of shotgun, not out of, like, three tight ends, you know, to the right, running into the weak side of the formation, where you just have Laramie Tunsley going up to block a, a safety as well, too. And so our next question here is from that smooth grandma. And he said, Always, always smooth grandma. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, is Kyemi Fairbairn on Romeo's fantasy team, which is why we, when we were down 21, 18 points in the fourth quarter, we opted for field goals? Is this plausible or is our team just math challenged?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, again, the game theory, when your defense is horrifically bad and you couple that with the fact that you're playing against Aaron Rodgers. Who's just sliced and diced you like Korean bulgogi barbecue the entire game? Like I, I, I don't, I don't understand. Like it's a lost season. Go for it. But like I said, I, I'm willing to, I'm willing to concede that maybe they think with the expanded playoff, this was the last game to like hope that your defense could maybe get a turnover. And I mean, the Texans did have a couple of. Pretty good defensive stands against them, but they ruined with penalties. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I can I can kind of see that. But yeah, you, you know, you know, for years my feelings on kickers. There's two kick two kinds of mm-hmm. kickers in the world: the ones that can make clutch kicks, and the ones who can't. And the ones who can't, there's no reason to ever resign them because you can just keep recycling kickers over and over again until you find one that can make clutch kicks. Otherwise, they're completely interchangeable to me, unless you have Steven Hauschka who doesn't have enough leg to make a 49-yard field goal in the NFL, <laughs> which is unbelievable to me. So, you know, Kaimi's okay. I, 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 He's not great, and he's not terrible. He's he's kind of in the middle to me. But, like, the Texans never have any clutch kick opportunities, really. So I have no idea if he's one of those guys who can make a clutch kick or not. Yeah. So, you know, I think Romeo just wanted to stay in the game, and he hoped, he just really hoped, that the Texans could get a couple of more drives where, they actually don't ruin the drive with a penalty, or maybe they force a turnover. I, I, you know, I get that. I don't like it. Like, I'm in favor of being more aggressive when only, like, the caveat there is when you have Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. when you have a couple of the weapons they have, I'm more in favor of being aggressive. But with this team, like, you know, I, they're liable to take a fourth and two play and do a shotgun run to david johnson like i just i just don't understand
0: yeah well and with that too it's like the other thing that people kind of forget about these fourth and goal decisions and field goal decisions is that yeah this would make the game 28 13 and you have a two score game or or whatever it's going to be but you can or you or you make the game like a uh, a 15 point game with a field goal for example but now you're operating mm-hmm. from the idea that green bay's knocking at the ball and score again. Which is completely untrue. Green Bay is going to get the ball again. They end up scoring again later in the game yeah, to with ease. Uh, make it 35. And then the other thing about that is you have one of the worst defenses in football. And so every time you get a scoring drive opportunity like that, you have to go for points and you have to get as many points as possible. Whether it's, you know, fourth and 11 or uh, and you're down late or it's fourth and one the 40 and you're down late too. The other really funny thing about that David Johnson option play too was Watson you know, scrambles on third and fifteen gets to the one yard line and they go to the line of scrimmage and they don't have a play call for it and they have to waste a timeout because right. Tim Kelly does the Bill O'Brien Kansas a City Chiefs thing I'm and, telling you. and he doesn't have In a play call mat,
1: oops, he doesn't sorry.
0: he doesn't have a In play call Black for this situation yeah <laughs> and I, I mean it's like you know it's just unbelievable with this like I don't know if it's every team that's like this. Because, I mean, I watch, I try to watch every condensed game out there. Uh, but obviously, I'm not, I'm never going to know as much about the Cincinnati Bengals as I do about the Texans. So I don't know if it's like this for every team, but it really is absurd, like how circular this team is, where you like, this thing happened, you know, six months ago, and here it is, and it's happening again, yeah. some other, you know, different form. It's absolutely and, absurd, though.
1: And Matt, like, tell me, who is beholden to David Johnson? Bill O'Brien's gone. Yeah. Easterby is not calling from up high, telling Cornell and Tim Kelly what he can and cannot do. I mean, like God, I hope not. So who who is beholden to continuing to force David Johnson on us as if they're still trying to prove that that trade was worth a damn? It's the opposite of that. Every time they do that, they just rub it in and make it worse. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't uh, uh, Matt when when the pack by the way the packers who have such a great offense it just is not fair to me that they have a punter as good as their punter is i don't know if he's always that good but today that just was so deflating the texans had that drive that started at their like 2 yard line and on first and 10 from the 2 yard line deshaun was lined up in the shotgun with david johnson next to him in yeah. the end zone and i don't know if you're like me when i saw that lineup i'm like well david johnson is going to take one half step from where he's lined up in the end zone, and in the time that he takes one half step, the Packer defenders will take four steps and be all over his ass. <laughs> yeah, and they ran. And just, they
0: ran. They ran power there as well too. And I don't think Sunil Calamenti, uh, or no, they ran to the left. So I think no, they pulled Tyus Howard. I think they ran Dart. And uh, they, they Howard they pulled hasn't Tyus been. Howard. He hasn't. And like how, like Howard's been really good as a pass protector so far this year, but he still is kind of a weenie in the run game, and he needs to be seeing red a little bit more. And, you know, they're just like, on, whenever he pulls two, he's just really high, and he doesn't really make enough contact there. And, you know, it's, it's kind of one when the, of when the few, you know, kind of one of the nitpicky things about him. But, like, that's half the game, and especially for a team that wants to be uh, more balanced as well, too. And oh, yeah. the, the other thing about this game is it did seem like this was the first game where Houston actually had that really spread out passing attack. Or there wasn't one receiver they you know caught the majority of the passes. So like last mm-hmm. week was Will Fuller's game against Jacksonville. Was Brand Cooks' game. So this game Cobb had eight catches on ten targets. Brand Cooks had seven catches on nine targets. David Johnson had five catches on five targets. Um, no Duke Johnson had five catches on five targets. David Johnson had four catches on four targets. Will Fuller had three on six. Kenny Stills had two on four. And Houston struggled to score twenty points this game. Um, they really kind of like lacked, you know, like a consistent you know, offensive cohesion, and they they got you know to the forty yard line pretty comfortably, but they mm-hmm. just had problems with penalties, and then the sacks that they took weren't really like numerous. Like Watson's only sacked three times, but he lost I believe twenty seven yards when he was sacked, and they just yeah. came that really crucial plays that uh, Kai Cresser drives too. But this did seem like the first game where Houston did have that real spread passing attack where everybody got involved. And that was kind yep. of the idea of the DeAndre Hopkins trade this summer. Exactly. I, like, I wonder if oh, that's where you're
1: going with that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> we have this offense now that without Hopkins instead of Watson, watching him the yep. entire time, he can spread the ball out. This passing attack to be a lot better. And now we yep. have that game. They, they struggle to score 20 points. They start yeah. off punt, 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 field goal, miss field goal, end of half, You know, touchdown, the game was over kind of at that point. Uh, so does this f- seem like the final nail in the DeAndre Hopkins trade coffin?
1: Oh, the final nail in the DeAndre Hopkins trade coffin was the day that they annon- announced the DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins trade. So, yeah, no, I, I, think, I think much like all the other, you know, ridiculous trades that have happened in the last few years under O'Brien, we, we share that. But no, like, it, uh, to, to, to say that to me gives too much credit to the DeAndre Hopkins. Trade Like the, the thing that like now, if, if I'm if, if I'm just going to be serious and we have to like actually give if we literally have to give the trade a chance to play out a little bit, then the literal nail in the coffin of the trade to me was this fact when DeAndre Hopkins was with the Texans, he was arguably the best receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. As soon as this season started and we got three weeks in, he was without question the best receiver in the NFL, mm-hmm. no question whatsoever with a second year quarterback, instead of the same offense that he'd been in for years with O'Brien and had Watson for a few years, he went to a different team and instantly it was to me, unquestioned that he was the best receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that is exactly what I thought too. And I'm watching this game. I'm like, wow, Deshaun's really spreading it around and they got 20 points and some of it was garbage time points. Yeah. Like there needs to be a, you know, there, we have to differentiate between, this shot, like, between the Texans' points and their garbage time points when everyone's just playing back mm-hmm. and trying to eliminate the big play. So, yeah, you can call it the final nail in the coffin. You and I know that that nail was driven in the day the trade was announced.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, like, I mean, I wrote about this summer, and I thought, you know, we talk, I talked to Rivers and we did the season preview as well, too. And the idea was that like this offense had built an upside. Not that the offense got better by trading Hopkins, but – you know, they actually run more of a vertical spread passing attack. They use Mm -hmm. a lot of empty formations and five wide receiver sets just by making the play calling better. The offense could be better this year, but it wasn't because the team got better because they traded DeAndre Hopkins, you know? And, uh, and that's kind of what we saw this year where, you know, without Hopkins at all involved, you know, we didn't see that, that play calling change until, you know, the second half of, or until there was like nine minutes left in the third quarter of that, Vikings game, they kind of opened mm-hmm. things up a little bit. But up to that point, they really didn't at all. I mean, for me, the the final nail in the Hopkins trade coffin was whenever Will Fuller dropped that uh, out route against Minnesota where he had to make that spectacular ca- catch and tap it to himself. And now the <laughs> <a> catch <laughs> right. that Roger Hopkins has made, you know, 25 times in Houston. And now you're 0 3 or you're 0 4, Bill Bryan's fired. And, you know, like that was kind of really poetic. But I think this game, too, you, is another good example of just how. You know, unbelievably gruesome that trade was. Um, the yeah. other thing about this offense, this game was it was really like short to intermediate. So on um, throws over twenty yards, Watson was only one. Or Watson was only one for one for twenty eight yards, and that was a play action pass that was kind of cool where they had uh, Will Fuller and Randall Cobb in kind of a, a twin set where they were like you know immediately adjacent to each other on the left side of the line of scrimmage, and uh, Fuller ran a post, Cobb ran a curl. And was able to kind of find that soft spot in the zone there. And that was that was a cool play design. But that was it. They really didn't throw anything all that vertical downfield. It did seem like once Green Bay went up big, they sat two safeties high. And like there's yeah. ways to get around that. You know, like that's why you're supposed to have Fuller and Cooks on the outside that kind of draws the safeties out to the sideline to help out. And then you can attack the middle of the field. They didn't really do that very much either. And the second thing was that um this offense was, you know, really short. And they, they ran play-action, I think, um, fairly good at times as well, too. But like, you know overall, I think the, the biggest thing is just it needs to be more vertical because that's Watson's biggest uh-huh. thing right now is he's such a great downfield passer, and this was another week where you didn't really see a whole lot of that. We saw it against Jacksonville. We saw it one play against Tennessee. We saw kind of one play here, but I do think one of the things Tim Kelly can really improve on doing is just by calling more vertical passing attempts for this offense.
1: Sure, sure. And that's why we were all excited in the first game after O'Brien got fired. You know, first play out of the shoot was a deep pass to Brandon Cooks. And that was great. Um, and and I, I, I agree with you, but I also feel like this team could make a lot of hay if they if they focused on that short, intermediate passing game and basically use that as a running game, since the running game mm-hmm. is hey, garbage. So I and you know, I think that's a thing. Watching the game today watching Aaron Rodgers like he's he's pretty great at not like he he's you know he's obviously been a good deep passer his whole career but there's several times today and it's hard to tell from the TV copy um so I don't know if if you're going to watch all 22 on this maybe you'll notice this but i felt like Rodgers all day long was just in the mindset of i've got the underneath the underneath is a sure thing i'm going to take it rather than take the deep shots because He knew that he could take advantage of the Texans' defense, and I think Deshaun could learn a little bit from that. Because as much as I love Deshaun's deep game, I also feel like he leaves a lot of throws on the field sometimes, going for the deep shot when he's got some more underneath stuff. Especially and especially now, where I feel like since O'Brien left, one of the big differences I feel like I've noticed is that there has been a little bit more short and intermediate stuff that they've been trying to get for him to get him some more easy throws early on, which Mm -hmm. is which, which. in the first four games with O'Brien were for some reason completely non-existent. Like I, I, this is sort of a side tangent, but the whole idea that like Bill O'Brien is going to quickly get another NFL job. I don't know how you can look at the offensive tape for the Texans and have anyone think that like his play design and his play calling defies everything that makes any sense when you have Deshaun Watson and the receivers they have, I I, I I know that like we're past this and we should be getting beyond it, mm-hmm. but it just it just boggles my mind. What in the hell O'Brien was doing? I, I, it it really it baffles me. <laughs> and and if he gets a job, if he gets a job, I guarantee you it'll be because of that thing that people have where they're like, well, they need. This team needs someone who's an ass kicker and who's going to like get out there and be emotional and fire their team up. You know, that stupid thing where mm-hmm. after Bill Cowher took his TV job for, for several years, people are like, well, every team was like, we need to hire Bill Cowher because he's tough. You know, like that. if O'Brien gets a job, <clears throat> New York Jets, if, if O'Brien gets a head coaching job, it's only going to be because of that bluster. It ha- would have nothing to do with his offensive design.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, tangent. Yeah. I, I like the idea of O'Brien going to like Northwestern or the best one for me would be the university of Texas. Um, that'd be uh, so funny. Yeah. And so beautiful. Yes. I,
1: I, I want to see, I, I want to see a live feed of BFD, uh, <laughs> just, just a full video shot of his face, learning the news that Bill O'Brien, like Tom Herman has been fired and Bill O'Brien has been hired. Like I, I'm actually a Longhorns fan too, but I'm not as invested in college football or the Longhorns as I am in, in the pros at all. Mm-hmm. I lived in Austin for several years. I didn't go to UT, but I lived in Austin for a long for, for you know six eight years or so, however long it was. Yeah, you get sucked so was, into it there a little bit. Yeah, you get sucked into it. So I'm a fan of theirs, but I'm not like super invested. Like I couldn't name more than five or six players of their team right now. I'm a casual fan of. Really, college football in general. Yeah, but like I want to see the people that I know on Twitter and in real life who are big UT fans and also Texans fans have to deal with transitioning from Tom Herman to Bill O'Brien. It's sort of a it's sort of a dream of mine.
0: Yeah, it was fun because I mentioned that on the Requiem for the Bill O'Brien podcast, and then you kind of saw it pop up on Twitter. Like it that put it into the collective conscious and. We kind of saw it pop up uh, that week, but that'd be fun. I also kind of – it'd be cool if O'Brien became like a general manager, head coach somewhere else, and then we could trade him. Brian Cook's back for a second-round pick and David Johnson for a second-round pick and kind of recoup everything that uh, he did to kind of screw this team up going forward. Ugh, but, so For in, years. In the run game, David Johnson real fast. He had – Watson was pretty much the, the entirety of the Texans' run game. He had seven carries for 38 yards. David Johnson had 14 for 42 but he's especially yeah. gruesome on the edges. And like the Packers have a really good edge defense. Um, but there was this idea like, well, David Johnson just needs to get outside in space. Well, David Johnson can't break tackles at all. And so on the edges, he had seven carries for 12 yards. Uh, the worst, the worst carry today from him though, is that like first quarter run where he like turns his back into the tackle attempt. And I don't know if he was trying to spin or if he yeah. was shying away from contact, but like after that, I'm like, you can't give him the ball at all anymore. Like cut, uh, yeah. cut him put Scotty Miller up, you know, in the first round, or put move Scotty Miller up, trade for Adrian Peterson now. Who cares? Like, give up a seven-round pick for Adrian Peterson. Who cares at this point? Uh, but yeah. You can't give David Johnson the ball at all anymore. And so we had a question from at Phil Johnson, why? And he asked, Kelly got bit by the O'Brien bug today. Are there non-shotgun things they can do in the run game with number 31 that might work better, although it's probably hopeless?
1: <laughs> yes! They have these things called eye formation <laughs> you know, there's all these things they can do. I, and I don't understand it, uh, Phil Johnson, why? I don't understand. I, I really have no idea because there are some concepts that will take several weeks to install or maybe even an off-season to install, but this is not one of them. This is, number one, a personnel issue, and number two, a play design issue, and it's not like these guys have never gone from I formation or pro set or any of that before. They've all done this. It can be something that's coached. It's incredible to me. I, I, I do not. I'd, I wrote, I wrote an article this past week about realistic things the Texans can do to like sort of continue to improve the mm-hmm. offense. And one of them is just like it wasn't so much a suggestion as it was me just screaming into the void about how I do not understand the run design at all. It makes no sense. And every single week they continue to do, you know, the whole definition of insanity thing. They just continue to do it every time, as if somehow it's going to change. David Johnson is slow. He can't break tackles. Like he's had a couple of good runs to the outside this year, but that's not something that you should design the offense around. Like, mm-hmm. I know Duke Johnson is not Eric Dickerson, but for the love of God, give some more carries to Duke Johnson. Like you said, Scotty Phillips. Or like I said, scour the practice squads. What What's like the one position on offense that almost every year a mid-round or late-round or undrafted guy has an impact? Yeah, it's man. running back. Scour the practice like, squads. Look at Miles Gaskin squads. this year, you know? Yeah. The practice squads are expanded. They're bigger than they've ever been. Scour the practice squads and find any other running back and bring him in. I don't understand. O'Brien is gone. He, I'm sure, obviously was the driving force behind David Johnson coming to this team. It's over. O'Brien's gone. Admit the mistake. <laughs> he David Johnson is going to make what ten million dollars next year? He's not going to be here. Yeah. They're obviously going to cut him. It's a lost. And you season. can't,
0: can't trade anything. And you can't trade anything for him. Oh no, line. no. There's no, no. no market. No, no, no. There's no market Absolutely for him not. whatsoever.
1: I mean, I might just. Here's the thing with trading in the NFL, though. It only takes one team. It only takes one. So if I was, well, oh God. See, here we get into the idea of our acting GM is Jack Easterby. If I was Jack Easterby, I'd call 31 teams and say, "Listen, guys, I've got a blessing to lay upon you today, and it's that ye, blessing I, I'm gonna I, lay I on have, you is I got is, blessing
0: to lay upon uh, ye today. Yes,
1: this this blessing upon ye is that I will give you David Johnson for a seventh round pick. Will you take ye blessing and hope to the Lord God above that one of Jack Easterby's buddies around the league?" Says, you know what? I trust you like I trust Joel Osteen. So I'm going to give you a seventh-round pick for David Johnson. Yeah. I, at least that. And then when it doesn't cut him, he's a nice guy. He's a great guy. His interviews, he's super positive. I, to- I respect that totally. But that was a disaster of a trade, and he's been a disaster of running back. I don't care how bad the offensive line run blocking has been. When he's had chances, you can see him mm. missing holes. He doesn't have vision. I mean – let me think he was last really good in 2016. So all we have to go on in 2020 is this film from 2017 and and it, 2018 and 17 and he 2019.
0: Well, 17 broke his wrist. So he only played a half a game. 18. he hurt. Right. hurt. and like last year, like as soon as the trade happened, I was like, yeah, I remember David Johnson being bad last year. Let's say, look at it. And he can't, he was the third best team on the way. Yeah. He was worse than Chase Evans and Kenya. And Drake 10 million bucks a
1: year. It makes no sense. Like, Listen, I just – another side tangent real quick, Matt. I am not a super overreactive fan. Mm -hmm. I've never been fire everybody guy. I've never been a guy who thinks I know better than the team or fans know better than the team. But there's so much stuff that's happened in the last couple years. Reading Battle Red blog, being a part of writing for Battle Red blog, doing this podcast with you. There's so much stuff that all of us have known – For years, that has proved to be true, and when that happens, it means your team leadership at the coaching and the GM position is crap, and that's what's happened here. Yeah, like there's so much stuff that even I think casual fans can pick up on, Mm -hmm. and yet we continue to ram our heads into the wall over and over again. Shotgun runs from David Johnson between guard and tackle or center and guard. What I don't understand. Cut bait. It's a lost season. I give them one more chance because like I said, maybe they thought today was like the last stand. So now there's a bye week. But if they're still doing this with David Johnson against the Jaguars when they come back from the break, my God, just my God.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to start calling uh, Nick Martin the starting cinnamon roll. Uh, cause that made, that made me laugh. I, I think you, I don't know. You said something right there that that made that pop in my head. That kind of got me good. Um, but yeah, like I, I, yeah, I agree with you on all that. And you know, it's, you know, and going back to like Phil's question here, like I think the biggest thing about the running game that they can't prove on is what do they do against Tennessee and what do they do against Jacksonville where well, they ran more outside zone and they're like, Okay, well we'll run one play a couple different ways. That's what the Titans mainly do. They run one play and they run it seven different ways and that's it. And they get really good at that one thing and then they become the best in the league at that one thing and they run for two hundred twenty six or two hundred fifty yards against Houston uh, last week with that. And so like they were running a lot more outside zone and they would do some uh, run some other plays like here and there, uh, just kinda like, you know, keep the, the defense off guard. And this week was all power run plays. Like they really didn't run the outside zone all that much. It was, ma- it was mainly power run plays. And that was really kind of like frustrating and make very much sense at all to me. Because even though you're going against a team with good edge defenders, like that was their idea. Like, well, we'll try to keep things between the tackles because they have a good edge defense there. But you can still bang those outside ro- runs. You can still cut back against them. It really doesn't change all that much. And so I do think that's one thing they can do going forward is to at least have uh, like one scheme that they kind of stick to. So the next question we have here is from At Smith Grandma, and he asks, once established, how long does the run stay established? And also, do the Texans <laughs> have an established the run power bar, which limits their passing <laughs> ability until the ETR power meter is filled up, and then they can run all the special pass plays after that? Is this a plausible theory?
1: <laughs> I don't know what any of that means. Is that a video game reference?
0: It reminds <laughs> me of this. Like I remember playing like NCAA like, 08, and they had a momentum meter, and like as you made good plays, the meter would go up. And then once it went all the way up, you're like your impact players, with the white dot would start to shake. And then they would get like you. a little bit better. That's that's pretty much what he's saying right here. And, I, and then really that's the only way this idea of establishing the run makes any sense at all is that there's some uh, mystical meter uh, yeah. that we don't know about that the coaching staff knows about.
1: Uh, yeah. And, and again, like it's like the phantom limb, like Bill O'Brien is the phantom limb that's been chopped off yeah, from yeah. the team that continues to insist on that. And I don't understand, but so since since I don't really have a real answer for his question, I at least have something sort of relatable because I've noticed something watching the game that I've always wondered why more teams didn't do. So okay, so I'm gonna talk about Madden for a minute. Now, I haven't played Madden in many years and Matt, I know your opinions on Madden and I I do not disagree.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, for it's, it's, it's for children. I have a girlfriend, I can't play Madden, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I totally I totally get that. Like I, I've I've left I've left playing Madden in my review as well. Because, you know, adult. So, but but here's the thing. Most people when they play Madden, I think, when they play like their leagues or whatever, they want to run the score up as much as possible. They want to like score a million points. That's not how I played the game. When I played Madden, I was like old school. My objective for the game was not to run up yards and and points. My objective for the game was to possess the ball for every second possible. Like I wanted to have a game where I'd have like 50 of the 60 minutes time of possession. And the Packers in this game were employing my strategy where they were running every play down to one second mm-hmm. on the play clock in the second half. And I don't understand why more teams don't do that because if you add up you know, five plays where you snap it with one second left, that's two, three plays late in the game that the other team can't run, can't run if you're in the lead. And that I just was sort of impressed because I saw that. And I, I never really noticed any other teams doing that. Usually they don't do it until the very end of the game. Yeah. But the Packers were doing that in the second half, like starting in the third quarter. They were running it down to one second on the clock. And that's what I always used to do. So I didn't care if the score was, you know, 10 to nothing. But, man, if I had time of possession 50 minutes to 10, I was happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember playing like that sometimes, too. I think it's because Gary Kubiak worked my brain when I was – you know, sixteen years old or whatever, and, <laughs> right. it, and it really hasn't been the same since then. It's also kind of watching a team with a good poor quarterback too. What's funny, though is like looking at the numbers. Really, kind of the biggest thing uh, offensively between those two teams is that you know Green Bay went four and four in the red zone. The Texans struggled in the red zone, especially once they got to the forty yard line. And the Packers actually have a lower time of possession than Houston. Green Bay's was at twenty eight fifty four, and Houston's at thirty one oh six. And I do think like time of possession is a number for. Uh, you know like cowards and losers and it doesn't really matter all that much and what's uh-huh. more important is having a lead and running as many plays as possible with the lead than actually having you know the time possession but um, going looking here at the defensive side of the ball I think there's a lot of questions here tonight like regarding the future of the team we may not be able to get to but maybe we could do like a, a trade deadline show uh, maybe during the bye week you know this week or next week because the Texans don't play um, the week they're on the bye week this week hanging to Jacksonville so maybe we can do that next week and kind of get to some of these uh, that are really good in that aspect of it, but defensively uh, Houston gave up 35 points and they managed to stop green Bay here and there. That being said, I watching the game again, the defense looked like an absolute mess from a talent scheme and stamp from a talent and scheme standpoint. Uh, so what do you think of the job Anthony Weaver has done so far?
1: I mean, man, that's, that's a really tough question for me because I, you know, I don't want to make excuses for the guy because let, let's be honest, like in the past, when Richard Smith or Frank Bush took over the defense and it was bad, we hammered him. Anthony Weaver takes over the defense and they're terrible, like historically terrible. But I don't think you can say about those former Texans defenses, what you can say about this one, which is that Bill O'Brien completely ignored the defense in the off season other than signing dot, dot, dot Eric Murray. Which is absurd. Which, I, I which still can't like, stop it. It's that. I mean, that, that's not that's not an improvement to the team at all. Yeah. Well, for know? me,
0: it's that, and then also resign Darren Fells. who can't block. Making the Hopkins trade push this narrative of like we're gonna do a lot of really exciting things on offense, and yeah. then make the staple of your offense be the tied in drag flat RPM. Like those two things are. I <laughs> I still can't get over them. They're so unfathomably dumb.
1: Matt, I'll I'll get back on the main point of that question, which is which is Anthony Weaver and the defense, but. Has anyone – I know this This seems really obvious, but is, has anyone really just looked at the tech, the trades that Bill O'Brien made in a vacuum? He traded the star left tackle. He traded the one of the star pass rushers slash edge rush defenders, and Jadavion Clowney, obviously Dwayne Brown for the left tackle. And he traded arguably, and I feel like definitely, the number one wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah. He took two of the premier positions in the league. Left tackle and pass rusher slash edge defender, and then you know maybe wide receiver is not one of the most one of the most important positions in the NFL. But anytime you have an elite number one player,
0: it makes your you should so never trade them. Yeah, your offense and, is so easy because of that.
1: And this idea of oh you got to pay everyone, you can or, or this idea of oh you can't pay everyone. Eh. The new CBA, they had leverage over. They didn't have to pay Deshaun, and they certainly could have given him a Band-Aid deal. And this whole idea of, oh, well, we can't do that because it establishes a bad precedent. No, it doesn't. It establishes a bad precedent when you do that for players who are not elite. You do it for JJ because he's elite. Yeah, you do yeah. it for DeAndre because he's elite. You don't do it for, you know, like a guy who's middling, like let's say Whitney Merciless. Yeah. You know, you, you, don't, you can do it for the elite guys and for the other guys tough crap man if you don't like it (laughs) become elite so anyway that's just a sidebar on bill o'brien i I just the destruction he's caused to this team over the years is just unbelievable to me anyway i'm dwayne brown he's not a lead anymore but he's still playing in a fashion that he could still be the texans left tackle yeah and they wouldn't have to give up two ones and a two for larry
0: and then also just like how much it hurt their offensive line um mm -hmm. the following year too where like it puts julian davenport in a spot before he's ready then you have Sancho Henderson break his ankle again. And, like, Henderson is going to be bad regardless. And then you get Martinez ranking at left tackle. Davenport right tackle. Screw up Davenport because he can't play right tackle at all. And then you have an entire offense based around controlling the ball and being afraid to throw the ball downfield because the offensive line is so bad. Yeah. That's all directly because of the Dwayne Brown trade and their continuous management of the position. And, and, and every him, year. Matt Khalil being the starting left tackle in the season. And then the trade for Larry are Now now the Dolphins get a top five pick potentially. Uh, and that was one of the fine things about the Tensil trade too. Was the argument four is like, well, you're trying to pick like 27th, you know. The Texans would be good, of course, and now here we are. It's gonna be a top five pick, you know. And the mm-hmm. Texans are still, you know, getting sacked three times a game and still struggle to run the ball.
1: Yeah, and meanwhile, whoever the left, whoever, whoever is the left tackle in Miami, I have no idea, but they're protecting the passer better than the Texans are. Yeah.
0: Well, even <laughs> hey, no. last year, Ryan Fitzpatrick had a better sack than Deshaun Watson did. With Julian um, Davenport, left tackle, and they they drafted uh, uh, the young kid from USC this year. I think his name is Austin Walker, something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know Austin Baker, something like that. And he's been good over there. Miami's offense line's been a lot better this year.
1: I, I just I, I can't I just can't get over the premium positions that O'Brien has moved out of town. And like I understand that casual fans don't have an interest in grasping this or maybe don't understand it, but the long-term damage to this team. Like if we didn't have Deshaun Watson, like how hopeless would this be? Like you have Deshaun, so he can take, mm-hmm. you know, he might take a nine and seven team and make them 11 and five, you know, I, maybe he could win a couple games games. Well, if we didn't have like Deshaun
0: he, last year, felt like he turned like a six and 10 team into you know, ten and six. You know, well,
1: because of all the one score game yeah, mm-hmm. that that the team had. You know, like part of that is Deshaun, because you know, thank God we have a guy who's clutch. Like that's the number one gene I think I want in a quarterback, other than you know, uh, being Accuracy. an accurate passer. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so Deshaun's got that clutch gene, but just okay. So Weaver, you know, <sighs> O'Brien, and the team completely did a disservice to this team by ignoring the defense. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it has not been good this year. It really has not been good. But when Black, Bradley Roby is your number one corner, and, I mean, Vernon Hargraves basically as their number two, like, man. That's crazy. That is rough. And J.J. is the only guy. He's going to get double teamed constantly. And, oh, don't let me forget. Like, I don't know if you have this in the outline going forward, but I I I want a minute to just clear out and talk about J.J. at some point. So yeah, let's yeah. – let's, Let's get to that. But, but, yeah, Weaver, you know, I don't know. Like, it's bad this year, and it's one of those things where if he was doing pretty well, like, if the defense was even kind of mediocre with Weaver, I'd be super impressed. But they have a talent deficit, and they're also terrible. So it's like, a, it's like an experiment without a control, you know what I mean? So I have no idea if he's actually mm-hmm. any good because he has no talent to work with.
0: Yeah. And really the only thing we can compare him to is Romeo Cornell last year. And only in Cornell, they had a better run defense. It was like, you know, slightly below average with water round. Their pass defense was slight, Well, it was, it was good with water round. It dropped to you know below average without him. Their pass defense like hovered around average, which is kind of weird. And they had better turnover luck, which is the main reason for that. And now they have like, you know, one of the worst pass defenses, one of the worst run defenses. Uh, but the deep pass defense has been pretty good. And that's really the only two things that you can compare it to. But again, it's it's another year, and but it still is kind of the same players, except you don't have DJ Reader, you don't have Tayshawn Gibson in this version. Like personally, I was like pro Weaver. I was pro Cornell last year because I thought the talent was bad. This year, it's still a talent issue. But there's just too many things going on here that just don't make any sense at all. And I'm starting to feel like he has too much Rex Ryan in him, or he's trying to be exotic just for the case of being exotic. Uh, so, like, some these are some things that I saw in this game. He had Brandon Scarlett line up with his handout defensive end. Uh, he got driven backwards six yards on a rush play, whatever they did that. He's still playing Jacob Martin along the interior. And Martin <sighs> weighs 245 pounds. And the yeah. reason why they're doing that is because he'll line up there and then sometimes he drops into coverage and sometimes he rushes. And they don't care. It doesn't matter. He's not very good in coverage. He's fast. He plays really hard but he has no strength or ability to rush against guards, and all he does is, is uh, play patty cake. You know. And you want him out on the edge. You want him up against bad tackles and tight ends to rush the passer, and he's consistently leaving him on the interior, having him flail around uh, at that spot. They have no idea what to do with Lonnie Johnson Jr. Like As bad as Vernon Hargreaves is and as bad as Phil Gaines was today, they were so bad. Lonnie Johnson Jr. is such a bad cornerback that they don't even trust him instead of those two guys are playing outside cornerback, and so all Lonnie does is he just stands deep middle at the safety position and doesn't affect the game at all. Like he just stands off the screen; you don't see him for the rest of the game. Just because they're so afraid of him making a mistake, he just uh-huh. you know he just stands twenty yards behind the line of scrimmage and doesn't do anything um, on the goal line. <laughs> but all
1: those all those Instagram footwork videos, though. You know yeah, what I'm <laughs> only
0: only three catch allowed. Lonnie uh, on the goal line. They ran a three-two-six formation play quarters like the three-yard line. Uh, that with Eric Murray playing linebacker, they, of course, you know, remade, ran the ball and scored a touchdown easy right there. They had Eric Murray playing slot cornerback, and at that position, press Manning, uh, Devontae Adams on his touchdown in the on that fade route, it's Eric Murray one versus one in press coverage. gets beats immediately. But also on that play, they had Michael Thomas lined up close to line of scrimmage showing blitz without blitzing. And stands in the middle of the field with the pass going thirty yards over his head for a touchdown. There, it's it's absurd. Um, the other thing is they miss assignments off of play action, especially in playing cover three. His blitzes haven't generated much pressure this year. The run fits have been a mess. And like, look, the secondary's bad. They miss Gary and Conley. I don't even think I'm not even a big Conley fan. At all, <laughs> How sad is that? <laughs> like the difference, yeah. And the, but the difference between Gary and Conley and Vernon Hargraves is like the difference between Baker Mayfield and Johnny Manziel. Like, it's not that. <laughs> Conley's a great player. And I think a lot of the stuff he did last year is fool's gold. It's just he's like this, maybe like the 50th best cornerback in the league instead of the yeah. 114th best cornerback in the league. And so I, I mean, I, I still think Weaver can learn some of these things, but there's too many like little things that are so absurd um, and dumb that like it, it gives me cause for concern about him actually being good at the position. But that being said, yeah. like it's the number one problem here is talent. But he still hasn't gotten the most out of his talent. There's just. Again, just too many things out here that, and too well, many bad performances to kind of keep sticking to that idea that it's just a purely a talent issue.
1: I, I get that, Matt, that he hasn't gotten a lot of the talent he has. But, you know, you're more of a film-watching guy than I am. I, I really, like, with with no pass rush and with Brendan Scarlett as a st- – Matt, how many teams would Brendan Scarlett start for in this league? Yeah.
0: Uh, Maybe Jacksonville.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, when when, you're, when your pass rush is J.J. Watt constantly getting double teamed, you know, maybe 70% of what he was in his prime because of his age, and Whitney Merciless, who just basically gets the lucky sacks once in a while because someone lends in his lap, uh, and when your second best corner is Garyon Conley, who's not playing, I, like, I what... what I mean, conceptually, what, what do you – like we talk about the offense a lot. And I think for the offense, it's pretty easy and pretty obvious even to like just like the casual plus fan what they could be doing differently. But like I, I, you're the host and you ask the questions. But I'm asking you since you're more of a film guy. Well, conceptually, design-wise, what could the defense do better than what they're doing right now with the, just the just emptiness of talent that they have right now?
0: I, I mean, I guess it's, it's just I, one of the things I like about Weaver is he really disguises things very well. And I think they did a much better job earlier in the year playing zone coverage. And I think all the problems this game came down to losing Bradley Roby. And, like, Roby's not – he he you want him to be your third best cornerback on a great pass defense. If he's your best cornerback, you're going to have a bad pass defense. Um, but, I mean, like, again, like, just all these little things that, that he does, I think are the biggest thing holding him back. Like, he's trying everything. They don't make very much sense at all. But by continually doing this, he's putting his defense at a at a mismatch and at a disadvantage that leads to big plays that shouldn't be occurring, you know. And like mm-hmm. another, another example, they ran that, you know, deep post route to Devontae Adams, and you have Philip Gaines, you know, out there on the outside, and they're playing cover three. They run play action, you have two of your hook defenders run out to the flat and instead of one of them turn back to carry the seam. And now Philip Gaines takes his own turn, and he looks inside and there's nobody 25 yards around Devontae Adams. And so he has to run all the way to the sideline, run for his life, and try to stop a touchdown. And there, there's just too many, like, little things like that that just don't make very much sense that are occurring. Mm-hmm. But as far as, like, a defensive design, I don't really think, like, you know, they tried to play from the 4-3 against Tennessee, that didn't work. They play 3-4, that doesn't work. They play a 6-1, that doesn't work. They play quarters, <laughs> they play cover one and blitz, that doesn't work. Like, he's trying everything, but, again, I just yeah. think, like, putting the, the pieces together in a more clear way that makes sense is really the biggest hindrance to him right now.
1: Yeah. And I got to admit, like, I, I, I try so hard not to fall victim to the thought of like, well, Anthony Weaver, when you hear him talk and when you see his passion, like, man, it's, it's easy to like be like, yeah, this guy gets it. You know, these guys, the, the, the players all talk about how much they love him. And when he talks man he just he just sounds like he already sounds like a head coach you know mm-hmm. so I try not to fall into that trap but like you I, I see him throwing everything against the wall that he possibly can so you know whoever the next head coach is and I, I, I guess like if the Texans were actually to really turn their talent over for the defense in the offseason, I would love to see whoever the next head coach is, you know, retain Weaver because I, I just, I just feel like he's he's smart. He was like, what can you go on for an offense or for any coordinator yeah. except for their success as a position coach? And he was really good as a position coach. Now, of course, he had some elite talent, but even in, you know when he was working with other players besides JJ, I feel like he's been he was really good as a defensive line coach. So I, I feel like he could succeed as a defensive coordinator. But man, to have a referendum on his ability based on the talent this team has is a joke, and that is squarely on Bill O'Brien's shoulders for ignoring the defense, which just is a crime. Like I, they were so bad last year, how can you ignore them? I just don't. I, I, <laughs> man, he just jacked this team so badly.
0: Yeah, and, we, and well, and like even on the website and on this show, we talked about how the pass defense is bad in '18. With Sheree like they had an all-time great run defense played against a bunch of teams who had no quarterback play, so they had to run run the ball a lot, not because they were good at it, but because they couldn't throw the ball whatsoever. And that was a team with Sharice Wright as their second starting cornerback. And since then they've only pillaged uh, talent from this defense. They haven't added any body, they haven't developed any talent. And the players that were good have just gotten older as well, too. But the one player they did add this year is Eric Murray. They signed him to a three year contract. Uh, worth $18 million and $10.75 million guaranteed. He had one of the worst games I've ever seen a Texans player have today. He was bad <laughs> against, the screen, against screen passes. He was bad in the slot. He made zero di- difference at the safety position. He made zero difference in the box. Uh, he was beat on a play-action pass by Malik Taylor on a touchdown. He had that illegal hands-to-the-face penalty, then negated the Whitney mm-hmm. Merciless sack on third and two that led to a touchdown and put Houston a hole right away at 7-0. And so, Chris, do you think he belongs on the Mount Rushmore of all-time awful Houston free agent signings? And if so, uh, who's your list off the top of your head?
1: Oh, geez. Well, okay. Uh, Amon Green, for sure. Um, Ed Reed. Um, you know, like...
0: The, the name broken... redacted one's the hardest one, just because...
1: Oh, Jesus. How did you know, like, I forget? He was
0: all, I mean, he was the worst non-rookie quarterback in football that year, but they were so desperate that position because they're like, yeah, Ryan Mallett. Yeah, Brian Hoyer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Patrick, I, I understood yeah, the reasoning.
1: Yeah, I understood the reasoning behind it, you know. And I was hopeful like everybody else, but yeah, that was.
0: I think it was, seemed it was like it, more of a <laughs> Cal were thing too.
1: Bro- Brock Osweiler is the Mount Rushmore of Mount Rushmores of bad yeah, yeah. Texan signings.
0: <laughs> and they lost a second so on pick because of him too.
1: Uh, right? Yeah, they had just just to get rid of him. Like that's that's the true test. So I, the book's not completely finished yet, but. Am I wrong? Vernon Hargraves, to me has been horrifically bad. Yeah, but he was a um, waiver
0: pickup, though. So like, they didn't. True, true, didn't they true. Yeah. So this they, year There wasn't a big money.
1: Him. Yeah, there wasn't a big investment. So Murray's up there. I mean, Amon Green for sure historically, um, and yeah, I mean you know Ed Reed, Ed Reed and Osweiler are definitely for me you know interchangeable. Well, I guess. Osweiler has to be number one kind of on on his own Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah for sure those guys and and I don't know I can't remember the like I don't know if you have you been paying attention to the Texans since their inception or has it been since like yeah but I was was like I was
0: like a fat you know teenager at the inception of them, you know
1: yeah well me too but I'm still fat but anyway (laughs) so that's that's neither here nor there um P Fagans I, I don't know if he was a free agent signing but like when I when I see Eric Murray I know Fagans was a corner um, but when I see Eric Murray, and sometimes when I see Vernon Hargraves, I just, I just think of, I just think of P. D. Fagans. Like it's just <laughs> over and over and over again. And that's the thing with this team. Like they had, oh god, what was his name? B- Phil Buchanan was like one of the best yeah, that's DBs really in the too. history in the history of the. Uh, our, uh, not Phil. They, they signed Phil Buchanan, but I'm trying to think of the guy before him. Well, it was him who and Dante was like,
0: Robinson were supposed to be the outside cornerback pair to lock down the pass yeah, defense? And yeah, Dante was great.
1: Immediately. But it was like the best corner in in Texans oh. history. I can't remember who it was though. Oh, my oh, brain. Aaron, oh, my you
0: about brain. Aaron Glenn.
1: Aaron Glenn, that's him. Like besides him and like Dante in his best years, like the Texans have always been bad in the secondary. You know, it was it wasn't until that year where they signed Jonathan Joseph and Daniel Manning mm-hmm. as free agents that we had we had anything at all in the secondary. And and I was hopeful. Like, Justin Reed, oh, he is looking like he's great. And his first couple of years looked good. And now, like, I don't know what happened to him.
0: Yeah. So, for me, my, my round rush more is Eric Murray. Just because of the idea that – like, Eric Murray's bad. But it's also the idea that this is the only player we're going to add to this defense. Along with yeah. the rookie class that they've had. that have had zero impact at all whatsoever. Uh, then, then I Because rookies Allen. can't contribute. For yeah, yeah. And then you watch, like, Carolina. and You watch all these other teams. Then I have Jeff Allen because Jeff Allen, by signing him, instead of Brandon Brooks, you lose the best guard in football. You get the yeah. worst guard in football who is out of the league completely and was just completely out of shape with you know stains all over his shirt and his belly poking out of <laughs> his jersey the entire year.
1: Then <laughs> Sloppy I, Jeff.
0: I have I've name redacted as well too. And I have yep. Chris Brown. I don't have among Green. I don't have Ed Reed. But I have Chris Brown only because he was signed to be the red zone back for that you know 2009 texans team because like in 08 they lost all those one score games all the time and kubak was like well we gotta get tough from the red zone so they signed chris brown from tennessee and he proceeds to fumble in the red zone fumble into the end zone uh, mm-hmm. i was just a throw interceptions throw interceptions it Was a completely <laughs> awful red zone back they lost like three games because of him and uh so i have chris brown on my mount rushmore so mine's chris brown eric murray named redacted and jeff allen
1: I mean that that's solid, but I, I don't I don't think you're um, giving enough credence to the contributions of Ed Reed.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that team was bad. that team got bad. though, was the only reason. Like he was terrible. But, like, I know, that team but was he bad. also was
1: like, but he also was like calling out the coaching staff yeah, yeah. when he was garbage. <laughs> like he was playing like absolute ass, and he was calling out the coaching staff like while he was on the team. But and then he but yeah, went to yeah the no,
0: it I... was bad. Well, he kind of played a little bit harder for the Jets, and then he got tired, you know. And, and was, yeah, yeah, like... yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, he – he, the, uh, th- that was another one of those where I think, like, a lot of people were excited about Ed Reed signing, but I remember just being like, this guy looks like he's got his bag, you know, already. And mm-hmm. I just – I don't know how this is going to go, and it was worse than I ever imagined.
0: Well, and the funniest thing about that, too, was the idea that Ed Reed had is like a mystical wizard, you know, from some great, you know, forest yeah. that had some ability like Transfix, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. And that was why Houston couldn't beat – you know, the Broncos, well, they beat the Broncos that one year, but that was why they'd struggle against like spread offenses. And that every held the ma- the magical key needed for Houston to get past. Yeah. Uh, those sort of teams are like, yeah, it's dumb. And they lo- they let go of Glover Quinn too. So they could sign every that off season, which is you know uh, really dumb as well.
1: Yeah. It turns out the magical key is also having the good Ray plays. Lewis and uh, <laughs> Terrell Suggs in front of you. And like, these hall of famers on your defense. Yes. Yeah. And talent,
0: talent's <laughs> always the biggest thing. The scheme there the always kinda comes secondary, but yeah. 100%, and, like, yep. and that's the thing about this defense too. It's, you know, a team that's going to pay Watson and tons like $65 million combined 2022. They're going to pay him like 47 million next year. And then you don't have your first round pick. So you don't have cost effective talent. And again, it's not only like this year, they don't have a first round pick and a second round pick. Last year, they didn't have a first round pick. Um, they lost a a second round pick and a first round pick by trading up for Watson and by making the name redacted trade. And they haven't developed like their mid round picks and stuff. And like you know, even even that last draft class, they only have Jordan Akins and Kahali Warren left from there. You know, and Justin Reed. But they ha- the, you uh-huh. see guys kind of come and go. There's nobody left from the 14 draft class, and that was you know six years ago. And they had the first overall pick in that class, and they have no players left from that draft class. And so that's uh-huh. part of it as well too. So it's gonna be. I don't know. I I think like Watson's so good that in the and if like with the seven C creation, if the new GM hits on everything, it's possible they could be, you know, a playoff contending team next year. But uh, mm-hmm. it's gonna be far from an easy job. Like it's not just like a coaching change switch and they're gonna be great they're gonna be good again. Um, it's gonna take a little bit more than that too. No. So you oh, yeah. you wanted to talk about JJ Watt. Um, this oh. game the Texans had one quarterback hit by Charles Amenahu, and that was him as an edge rusher. They were using him on the interior a lot this year. And he wasn't doing a very good job there. So they put him on the edge. He had a long arm against Billy Turner. Aaron Rodgers went to scramble. He kind of followed him and tackled him from behind. And the ball went out of bounds. And it really didn't mean anything at all. Uh, but that was their only quarterback hit. They had zero sacks this game. And you want to talk about Watt. So let's hear um, what you need to get out about Watt.
1: Oh, Matt, one of the saddest things I've ever seen in my life was in this game today where J.J. Watt got a TFL Late in the game. <laughs> and he wasn't having any fun. He wasn't excited. And, and yeah, I never want my players to celebrate when they're getting their heads kicked in. But just to see the defeat in his eyes. Like, his teammates were, like, hopping up and hitting him in the helmet and, like, trying to get pumped up. And he just looked so beat down and defeated and upset and it just made me so sad because that guy feeds off of energy and excitement and like obviously there's no Mm -hmm. crowd right now except for the limited crowd because of covid but he feeds off of that stuff and it just it just made me so sad because i know like a lot of people make fun of jj and they think he's fake and he's this or that like i like i don't have any time for those people jj i i feel like obviously i don't know the guy personally but i feel like his The way he is 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 pretty genuine. Sure, all those guys work on their brand or whatever. But the guy, he's a good guy. Mm -hmm. He's done so much for the city. He's done so much for the team. He's far and away the best player in the history of this franchise. And it's gotten so bad now that, like, I want him to be traded, not just for the good of the Texans to get some replenished picks, but so that he can, like, finish his career where it doesn't make me want to, like, get in the bathtub and open a freaking vein, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I saw him today, and I just, like, in a, like, I'm so glad, like, I don't have, my life is not tied to football. So, mm-hmm. when the Texans lose, I'm not sad. I don't cry about it. Like, I have life. I have responsibilities. I got problems. <laughs> so, like, it's it's football, you know? But I just was so sad. Like, I just, I, I, a, a part of me for a second in the football sense, wanted to go drown myself in the bathtub yeah, today yeah, because, Oh my God. Just, I'm just just so sad. Like, man, if they could just get one team to give him a late, like whatever team that might trade for JJ, obviously would be a contender. And they figure maybe he put us over the top. So it'd be a late first round pick, you know, like late, late in the first round. Man, if we could just get one team to give us a one and they were a contender, I would be all for that. As long as JJ also wants it, like I, obviously I yeah. want what's best for the team and I want my team to replenish. But to tell you the truth, if JJ doesn't want to be traded, then I don't want him to be traded. But if he does, man, send him off, give him a full two page spread in the Chronicle, and have a like, parade for him. Yeah, if he wins, make it like if the ending wins, of uh,
0: of like the of like. The Found ministers or, so, or I guess like the last Star Wars movie of the trilogy, give him a whole thing, uh, give him a little robe and everything else.
1: Uh, listen, I'm a Texans fan, so I have enough crap in my head, so don't <laughs> remind me about those movies. But but yeah, JJ, like if he were to win a, a, a Super Bowl ring. Absolutely, a parade, man. I, that would be great. I would love that. I just, man, I just feel so bad for that dude. Yeah, I know but, he's a multimillionaire. He's got a super hot wife. I know, I know, but I just feel bad.
0: Yeah, I, I understand what you mean. And like, I've watched all the video on Watt, and like, Watt hasn't been <laughs> Watt this year. Last week was his best game against Tennessee, where he made some good swim moves and stopped the bang on some outside zone plays since Dennis Kelly. He had that ghost rip, strip, strip Sackins, Ty Sambrelo. But other than that, like, he didn't have, a, he hasn't provided much of a consistent pass rush and he's struggling to beat offensive tackles to the point of attack. And, like, this game, like, he, sh- he struggled against Ricky Wagner, and that was, you know, their third-string offensive tackle out there. And he, had, yeah. he had trouble against him today. Um, whenever he did anything inside, they double-teamed him on those. They ch- Green Bay chipped him, but they kind of chipped guys anyways just based off their scheme to set up their passing plays. And so, like, they chipped, like, Dante Fowler when they played Atlanta, for example, two weeks ago. Not because Fowler was good, but because it helped set up, you know, play later in the game where they ran like a deep seam pass touchdown out of it. Um so like I so, like that being said, like with Watt, like yeah, I think it really comes down to if he wants it. If he wants to trade, I you have to trade him. And I don't yep. I don't think you can get a first round pick for him. He has a salary up like you don't have to eat uh, any money if you trade him, but you're he's due fifteen well, million next year. And then um he had a, he's due fifteen million next year. He's at like fourteen million this year. He has not been Watt I think, like, if you get a second, you know, that'd be more than enough uh, considering how he's played this year, you know?
1: He hasn't been Watt, but the only what, the only part on that I'll disagree with you on is, like, I know J D is not getting consistently doubled and tripled like he used to. Like, you know, he's been struggling in some one-on-one. It's just age, you know, and, like, you're not going to have great games every time. But I feel like – I'm not saying that this is the case – But it always goes back to it only takes one team. And it only takes one team that already has a good pass rusher or two to say, well, if Watt's with us, he's going to be singled every time because of our pass rush. And if they're smart, like that one game where JJ didn't play as many snaps as he usually does and he was more effective. Like I feel like – now I know the Steelers are already loaded and you know it would only be a move for them to try to put themselves over the top Well, and they don't but have a fr-
0: and they don't have a first round pick this year because of the uh,
1: well of i the mean minka trade. honestly i'd take i'd take a one next year like it would it wouldn't yeah. even like no, they, i
0: would prefer actually, one may I, I may be wrong i think the minka pick came this year in this draft so they may okay. have their first
1: regardless because of what bill obrien did to this team i i i'd prefer a one come, in the upcoming draft but i'd take one the following year too yeah that makes sense uh, so, you know, if I'm the Steelers or a team that already has a decent pass rush, like I guess with Yannick Gakwe going to Baltimore, he, went, he probably went for not... a
0: third and Baltimore made that trade to to play Kansas City so they can have more of a front four rush instead of having a blitz all the time. And he went uh, yeah, for a yeah. third and he's a half-year rental. At least with Watt, it's like one pl- he's under contract for next year. You just have to convince him to take on less money. And if he doesn't want to, you can release him if you have to.
1: Yeah, and, and I just figure there are teams out there because you know how it is with the NFL. Man, these are like all alphas. So they think they can coach it better and scheme it better than the team that they're trading it from. So it just takes one team to think, "Okay, well, we can get Watt. We've got a better pass rush than the Texans do, so they won't be able so offenses won't be able to scheme as much against Watt as other teams do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can act, maximize his skill set." Like I I feel like there's at least one team that might that might be willing to do that. My fear though is that, you know, Kyle McNair will not want to do that for PR reasons, um, but you know, I, I just, I just, you know, but then again, Kyle surprised all of us when he fired <laughs> Bill love O'Brien.
0: Kyle. I love Colm Kyle.
1: He is Kyle. I don't know what you mean. Like that's his name. It's <laughs> Kyle. So I, I love that Kyle. Whatever it was that convinced him made him fire Bill O'Brien. Then I don't care what anyone says. Sooner than any of us ever thought he would be fired. This whole. Kyle McNair does not care. Hashtag. No, he, he made that decision long before any of us thought he would. So I give him props for that. Yeah. And and I really hope, I really hope that there might be a contending team and that things match up and that JJ also wants it too. Otherwise uh, I, 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 I would hate for the Texans to, to have like for JJ to have a bad taste in his mouth leaving Houston.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think he, I think he would have to ask for it, you know, and yeah. it's, not, it's not something where you'd be like, yeah, we, you know, we're just going to trade you over for for this one. So everybody has their second-round picks, except for Minnesota trade. There's the Jacksonville and Houston, the Miami trade. And so I guess some teams that would make sense would be maybe Chicago, uh, Pittsburgh. Baltimore, I guess, could still trade a second-round pick. Uh, Green sure. Bay, Tampa, but Tampa's kind of stacked in that front. Buffalo would make sense. Cleveland would make sense. New Orleans would make sense. Arizona, Cleveland, ugh. Arizona Poor makes JJ. sense. Imagine if you went to Indy like Andre Johnson did. Oh uh, no, no, no. That, I couldn't, no. You couldn't trade him there. But those God, teams all, to a all kind of make no. sense, like in that sense of it. Uh, and how about, about JJ in Tennessee? City? I don't.
1: Uh, what about Kansas City? Oh, Tennessee, Matt. <laughs> stop. No, you're 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 just trying to bait me at this point. No, this Kansas City doesn't have like a great pass rush. Like, don't you don't you feel like like Kansas City would be the type of team? That would just be like, let's keep letting it ride. We're going to win another championship, shoot a first over. Like, I don't know what they're, yeah, I don't they know could if they have it. a first. I mean, they but, they
0: have uh, Chris Jones and they their, their other defensive positions. Clark. Yeah. And they have Clark and they play like Napasan and uh, Taco and it's kind of like a revolving cast yeah. of other defensive end spots. So yeah, like Kansas city could as well too, but I just don't know. I don't, I, again, I don't think Houston can get more than a second for them. And I think a second would be good enough if Watts requesting a trade.
1: I would take a second. I wouldn't take anything less than a second. Yeah, I, I, That's agree my with feeling. That.
0: I said I would take yeah. a third, but I, then that's just mainly because I just don't Oof. think. I, I don't know if Houston. I don't think Houston get more than a second, and with just i and I have no feel for the trade market at all. Like Bill O'Brien kind of screwed the whole game up. And, but he sure did. <laughs> and so like I have no idea what anybody's worth at all. It doesn't really make any sense sometimes. And like, yeah, God's still, he's. He's really good. He's not great anymore, and so in the, with his with his salary and everything else, like maybe a second round uh, would be possible. But like if they can get off for a second, I do it immediately a third, you have to think about it. And I don't know if they could get anything better than than that. You know, it's weird. I, I just I don't have a very good feel for it though.
1: Yeah, and I'd love to take a Belichickian look at this and just be like, whatever's best for the team, but. As much as I want the Texans to succeed, I, I really, honestly, I, I would not trade JJ to a team that he didn't want to be traded to. I just, yeah, you know what? Sure. I, I, all the other stuff be damned. I, I don't care. Like it, he's been that transcendent to this franchise and the city, so I, I just morally, I would just have to stand on that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so the last question we have here is from at CMS350. And he asked, do you think opposing offenses meet during the week and draw straws to see which player gets all the stats for the game against Houston?
1: <laughs> that's, that's actually a great question. Yeah, you know, I was afraid, uh, what's his name, Jamal Williams was going to go for 170 today. They managed to keep him under 100, but he also had a bunch of yards receiving too. So it literally doesn't matter who you throw in there. But of course, you know, Devontae Adams had a career day. Yeah. Like, man. It really does feel like...
0: It seems more the, like a career day sort of team than a, like, yeah, we'll give uh, Malik Taylor a touch. Like, Malik Taylor, you're going to have 100 yards. It's more like, hey, this is our best guy. Let's get him the best day he's ever had today, you know?
1: Yeah, and, and see, the, the the thing that disturbs me about this Texans defense versus, you know, like the Richard Smith years with Kubiak is that in the Richard Smith years, it was blown coverage after blown coverage after blown assignment after another, constantly. There's been a couple of, the, of those this year. But really, this year, it's just the defensive guys getting beat. Yeah. It's just the DBs getting beat over and over and over again. Which, like, dumb mental errors when you're blowing assignments is one thing. But when your talent is is so bereft that the just guys are just getting beat on every play. Man. Like, Bill O'Brien just effed this <laughs> team into the ground. Just... I, I know, like, people are going to hear that and, like, they'll read about it on Battle Red blog and bitch and cry and say that we're just like, oh, we need to move on. You don't understand, man. This is not just this, – this is not one season he screwed up. Like, he, he jacked this franchise. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's going to be hard. Like, they could be a playoff team again next year. It, but it's gonna be like a perfect entire. Like they have to hit on every decision, yeah, and then totally have a have a really great offense built around Watson. But like nothing said so about this team except for Watson, the offensive line, and it's an offensive line that's underperformed. And so maybe with the new uh, O line coaching, get more out of it too. But yeah I, yeah, I think I think this defense is kind of more of a Sweet Sixteen for the other team's best players. Where you saw, you know, Devontae Adams had a great game today. You had um, last week. It was Derek Henry's really big game. I guess you know Clyde Edwards Hilaire had a really big game week one. Hasn't really done that since then.
1: His only big game. Uh,
0: Adam Thielen had a really big game against Houston. So it kind of seems like you know the best players kind of get uh, get a chance to get their first car against Houston and enjoy the rest of the season after that.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I just man, it's it's just it's hard. Like I, if can you imagine the hell we'd be in if O'Brien was still the coach at one and six. Man, like I I know, no one is saying this because they're mad because the franchise is losing. But again, I must give credit to Kyle McNair for making the call when he did. I'll always love him. My God, the misery, the misery that this would, you know. And and like we're one Will Fuller drop touchdown away from, you know,
0: still being the head coach, uh,
1: right? Like it's amazing how fortunes change, and the NFL just on something as as nondescript as a dropped touchdown pass. That that's just incredible to me, but. You know, Will. Like, I don't want you to drop touchdown passes, but bro, thank you
0: for that you, one.
1: <laughs> you're a hero. And JJ, you getting in a yelling match with O'Brien, you're a hero. Matt, still now, I have yet to see one single Texan player say, "You know, thanks, coach. It was an honor playing with you." Yeah, no I'll, Instagram I'll,
0: posts or anything.
1: Not a single one. Not a single one. And you never, ever, ever see that ever.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's weird too, because like I think you know we were right about the majority of the stuff with this team but we were kind of right about it like two years ago, you know, yep. when they had that nine, three season last year and everything else. And yeah, you know, I was thinking about it today. Cause I really wanted to, in my season preview, you know, put him at like seven, nine, how I missed the playoffs. And I was like, yeah, but Watson is so good. And Watson's yep. so good. And he's so good. He's so beautiful. And then I was like, it's going to be a dog fight, but I think they could win the number seven seed. And, uh, and then everything else has happened since then. But I am kind of upset. I didn't stick to my gut and, and did that. But, uh, you know, it's kind of been it's been good how it worked out. I kind of wish Houston could hire Bill O'Brien again this year and then fire him again so everybody would be really happy, you know because the rest of this year is gonna be kind of a slog in some sense, but it's gonna be you know our <laughs> job and duty as uh, as listeners and readers and writers and everything else is to make this as enjoyable and try to find the fun things to to talk yeah. about. And that's like things like David Johnson's fumble at the end of this game and turn it <laughs> yeah into oh, thank you. Bag, I was gonna you know? bring it
1: up if you weren't okay. everyone needs to listen now, Matt you need to tell everyone the movie analogy that you drew for that amazing fumble that um, I like, I'm the movie guy and I was pissed that I didn't come up with this. So go ahead.
0: Well, there's <laughs> an infamous scene in American beauty. And I kind of watched this movie again, uh, just like, while well, like I, I do other things, you know, because I haven't seen it since I was like 17 and there's the infamous scene of like the guy with the girl and there. He's showing her like, you know, some of the, the footage he's recorded and it's this footage of this plastic bag of like 15 yes. minutes of it just, Dancing in the wind, he tells her about how by seeing this plastic bag, he realized that there's a hidden life to everything. And sometimes yes. he's just so overwhelmed by how beautiful the world was. Right. And the most embarrassing thing about that, we go back and watching that scene again. It's like, I feel the exact same thing whenever I go backpack and just sit next to the stream for like two hours and listen to it. And I'm that exact same guy. And uh, so I took the David Johnson fumble and then added the bag going up in the air. Um, is attached to it and, and posted that. So, so good. If you want to feel great about something, that's there for you.
1: So good. I, I love that analogy, and it's true. Like, I, sadly, like I said, I didn't think of that when it happened, but I did have the same sense. I had the same feeling come. Well, it's not quite the same feeling because the Texans were still in the game when the Rosencopter happened. Happened, but it was sort of the same. Like life, all of a sudden, like shifts <laughs> into slow motion. You know, and it seemed like that ball was in the air for so long. Like to me, like when, the second it happened, I busted out in like the most juvenile laugh you've ever heard because the game was like you know long over by then. Yeah. But man, can you imagine if that happened like in the same situation where the infamous Rosencopter play happened when they oh, Rosenfeld swung in the air? Well, yeah, or, yeah, this and they time scooped and scored. <laughs> Oh my God! That ball just seemed like it hung in the air forever, and I thought for a second it was going to bounce right into the Texans uh, receiver who was over near there. But of course, that's a uh, yeah. That was I think happened.
0: that was Cooks too. That was over there that makes even kind of yeah. more picturesque, you know. And I
1: mean, and I mean, you think like you know we would use the opportunity to clown David Johnson, but but that was really just a great play by the defender. Like he put his hat right on the ball.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, and but the thing is, like know, everything involving Cooks or Johnson or you know Fuller just seems like too poetic to not. You because know, again it comes back to like how circular this year has been, where like you see these decisions made seven months ago and how bad they're affecting the team now. Like there's like certain plays that really kind of stand out um, that just seem like I don't know just kind of too surreal and bizarre. Uh, It doesn't make any sense, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, to me, like it's the same slow motion feeling I get when David Johnson tries to run through a hole, (laughs) you know, like this, this, this is going to sound like something a 14 year old would say. So I apologize in advance, but like David Johnson running the ball, it's like, it's, it's like, if you can take the, there's a, there's a connotation that goes along with the word I'm about to say that is kind of gross, but it, he, he looks like constipation. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just like, every time he gets the ball, I just, it, it just feels like this, like, like just hit the hole, man. Just like, the offensive line's not great at run blocking, but oh my God, like, Duke at least had a little bit of shake out there today. I know he's not Walter Payton, but man, just anybody else. I'm telling you, scour the practice squads, Matt, like, here's how desperate I am. Fire Jack Easterby into the sun, and for the rest of this season, Since this is Kyle McNair, or wait, no, Kyle McNair, or no, Rick Smith is the godfather to Kyle McNair's kid, I think is, is the way that works. Bring in Rick Smith, man. He's not going, he's not doing anything. I'm not saying hire Rick Smith for the, for like, you know, as the GM. I'm saying bring him in as the interim GM for the rest of the season. He at least has an idea of what the hell he's doing in the world. And then he can go back to his karate or whatever the hell he's doing these days.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be that be I understand what you're saying. Like at least he could orchestrate the fire sale too. Um, yeah. As well in that sense of it. But yeah, there's a lot of other things here. We had a lot of really great questions tonight, and there's a lot of things that I wanted to talk about, but you know, we ran out of time and this was <laughs> yeah. All, I, I've, I, I've been talking a
1: maybe. lot, Matt, my bad. <laughs>
0: well it's yeah, you know, we haven't we haven't talked in a while. It's been it's been a <laughs> couple of months since we've had a chance to talk about Texans football. But yeah, that yeah. being said, Houston's on the bye this week. We'll still do our NFL Week 8 preview um, for this weekend later in the week. And then next week with Houston being off, we could actually do a, a trade deadline sort of thing next Sunday night um, and kind of talk about some of these bigger things and the fire sale and the trade deadline and what we kind of think about the, the future of this team and everything else is now 1-6 the season's over. And also try to find some things that we can watch for too. Uh, so whenever you watch the game and it's not just like, completely banal and, and awful and you wish you were doing a thousand other things. Um, we yeah. can do that as well too next weekend.
1: Sounds good. I'm down for that for sure. I'm, I'm very interested in what happens with this team at the trade deadline. Like this whole talk about Romeo coming out in the press conference and saying, Oh, I'm not looking to trade anyone. And Deshaun saying, you know, our guys are staying, no one's getting traded. Like, I I don't know what any you of should, that means.
0: They should be making that decision. Cause they thought O'Brien was a good general manager, you know? You're right. Exactly. And like, he's, he's not, you know, they just don't, <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that they, they there's a lot of different stuff that you can you you can't see from every way you know,
1: yeah, and that's also like obviously I'll keep it quick. This is another tangent sort of, but the the, the whole idea of having the coach also be the general manager terrible. Th- there's there's another reason why that doesn't work. You need to have a general manager to keep who the coach in check to, from long well, keep term planning, but to disassociate the emotions with players, yeah. mm-hmm. you screw you you have a contentious um, negotiation with a player. And then you carry that to the field. Like I know in a perfect world, everyone's a professional and they leave that, but that's just not how the real world works, man. You have a contentious negotiation that stuff will carry to the field too. And you think, Oh, this guy doesn't even think I'm worth, you know, this much money or he doesn't think I'm worth more than this other player in the league. Who's getting more than me. Like, you know, F him like that. That's the real world. That's, you know, these guys are pro athletes and they have a lot of pride and they're multi-multi millionaires. Like, you, there has to be a separation. You you have to have the guys in the field, and you have to have the guys in the in the office. Mm-hmm. You got to have the coach be able to be like, you know, I don't really care. This GM guy, like, man, like on the field, like saying to like DeAndre Hopkins, like, I don't know what this, you know, he's saying to the to one of his players, like, I don't know what the hell the GM guy, you know, his issue is. You need to be here. Like, you, the coach and the player need to be on the same page. You can't have the same guy doing that. I just it's so insane to me. This chapter in Texans history is just so bizarre <laughs> to me and it's not over yet because the, the consequences are going to be coming for a couple of more years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't think about that. End rant. Well, and also like having the coach be the general manager, that at least the kind of fair the third highest paid kicker in the game. That, yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> and at least all these kind of like bizarre extent, at least the Whitney merciless extension, at least the Nick Martin extension, at least these weird contracts that you know, don't make any sense at all for, um, for what what type of value they actually give out of the players too but um, yeah that being said before we hop onto another uh, rocket ship and go off uh, into a, another bizarre place we don't need to go to we'll end the show for tonight <laughs> my bad my bad we'll talk uh, we'll, we'll have the preview later this week we'll talk next Sunday night probably and kind of preview the trade deadline I'm going to save all these questions for then because they're really great uh, but yeah. until next time I'm not busted thank you for listening to Valorant Radio and thank you for being on tonight Chris
1: thanks hey Matt watch Old Boy.